Every one of us are in a fight. A fight for what really matters. Want to live a God-honoring, blessed life of purity? You'll need to fight for it. Want a healthy, life-giving marriage? You'll need to fight for it. Want to raise godly, responsible children? Well, you'll need to fight for it. But be prepared. You will take a beating before you reach your blessing. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. That's the call of a warrior. You will get knocked down, but warriors, get up. Do we have any warriors in the house? Can I hear that from the men warriors? Oh, that was, let me just move on. Um, do we have any women warriors here? Now, guys, you have a chance to redeem yourself. Because you like hesitate, like, any men warriors? Yeah. So let me ask a question. Do we have any men warriors in the room? All right, great. Awesome, awesome. My father was a warrior. At age 25, when I was one year old, he trusted in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Completely changed our whole family. The direction that their marriage was going in and our family was going in. Uh, as a little boy, I remember him working at a place called the Santa Clara Boys Ranch. It's south of where we grew up in San Jose. And, and my dad would, was a counselor and an advisor and a mentor to um, young men. Most of them were, were gang members who committed uh, violent crimes worthy of prison, but they were too young to go to prison, so they sent them to the Boys Ranch. And my dad would love on them and counsel them. Um, every, anytime, um, and it, there, was, there was fences and guards and all that, anytime there was a, a, a teenager who had got a young man who would take off and, and run and try to leave, they sent Mr. B, my dad, out and he found every single one of them. Being a former D1 uh, baseball center fielder uh, for Long Beach State, he still, had, he still had moves, he still had speed and smarts. And that, after that, he became a youth pastor. Fast forward a little bit to uh, when I was 15 years old. I remember going home with my dad from church on a Sunday afternoon. And we come home to our house, and mama was upset. My mom was hot. And, and my, my, my dad goes, honey, what, what's, what happened? And she said, there, there's teenagers over the fence. And over our back fence was a middle school. And he said, there's teenagers over there. And they're kind of jumping on the, the corner of the fence. And they were jumping up, pulling plums from our plum tree. And I went out and confronted them because they were just pulling a bunch of plums, eating them, throwing them places. And I went out and confronted them confronted them and they just, they went after her. I mean, they verbally, they, they just, they went at my mom and probably used some language that my mom didn't appreciate. And mama was hot. And when my dad heard this, he smiled. And he looked at me and he goes, Barry, you want to have some fun? Because they were still out there. They're still on the other side of the fence. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I don't know what, what in was, but I'm in. I was with my dad. And and he goes, follow me. We went out the front door, across the front of our house, along the left side of our house. And he gets to the corner by the fireplace, and he's like standing against the wall like this. And he peeks around the corner. He can still hear him. And he goes, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take off in a dead sprint. And we're going to grab onto the fence, full sprint, and we're going we're gonna to hurdle the fence. We're fly over the fence. We're going to land right on them. We're going to scare them to death. And I'm like, I'm in. He goes, all right, one, two, my heart's pounding. I'm like, this is so cool. 
three, and he still was fast, and boom, in a couple steps, he's like 10 yards ahead of me, and he's in full sprint, and he jumps, jumps on the fence, grabs on the top, and ready to push off the fence. Did I tell you it was an old fence? <laughs> it was a very brittle fence in the sun for, for many years in California. My dad did not go over the fence. He went through the fence. Wood was flying everywhere, and somehow he landed on his feet. I'm right there, and I saw it all, and all those teenagers were like, Mr., Mr., don't hurt us, don't hurt us, we're sorry, don't hurt us, Mr. And he stands up, and he was like, don't ever talk to my wife that way. And stop messing with our plums. Okay, don't, just don't hurt us, don't hurt us. He was like, just get out of here, and they all, they all ran. I went back into our, our backyard on the lawn. I am laughing so hard. My dad was a warrior. He has someone to defend and protect, and it was my mom. But my dad crashed through other fences in his life. He, he crashed through, when he trusted in Jesus, he crashed through the fence of being spiritually blind and then having his eyes opened. He went from darkness to light. When by faith he trusted in Jesus Christ. My dad crashed through the fence of being rejected as a child. His grandparents, for some reason, uh, they were fine when his older brother Eddie was born. But when my dad was born, he, he had grandparents who wanted nothing to do with him. And so when Eddie's birthday would come, they would come to the house and bring Eddie a birthday present. When my dad's birthday came, they didn't show up. When Christmas came, could you imagine this? Put yourself in a little boy's head and mind wondering what's going on. When Christmas came, Uncle Eddie got Christmas gifts from his grandparents. And my dad received nothing. That does something to a heart. But when my dad trusted in Christ, it changed everything. It changed everything. And when he crashed through the wall of uh, the fence of rejection... He loved and accepted everybody that he came in contact with. He also crashed through the fence of deep hurt from people close to him. Deep hurt. His best friend in high school, and then they went into college, and best friend in college, they even played baseball together at Long Beach State, and, and then they, after college they came back, and, and my dad was engaged to only to find out before the wedding that his best friend was cheating with his fiance. My dad, years later, he's, he's working at a church in, in our, my church in San Jose, and his very good, close friend, our pastor, my dad went into a meeting in the pastor's office with other leaders, and, and in, in that conversation, my dad had a presentation to make, and there was one guy that just went at my dad. And just, just kind of sliced and diced. And, and the whole time my dad is thinking, he's not speaking accurately. It's not true. And he told me later what hurt the most was his friend. His pastor sat there and said nothing. Fast forward decades later, my, my dad's in, been in heaven for a number of decades. And, and I went and I had a meal, one-on-one -on -one meal with my pastor like growing up. It was a great meal, but when it came to my dad, my strong pastor teared up and said, I failed your dad. I should have stood up for him. 
I should have said something. And he had been carrying around regret for decades, and I was able to help with that. Then also, and some of you parents, you get this. When I'm young in my 20s in ministry, one of my siblings rejected my dad, God, Christianity, everything my dad stood for and believed and really just kind of mocked him and left after high school. And I remember as a, as a 20-something, I, I was ticked at my sibling. I was like, I was like you know, why would you do that to our dad? And I remember having a conversation just one-on-one with my dad. And I, was, I was angry, and I'm like, Dad, I mean, look what they've done, and look what they said. That's like they're spitting on you and, and your faith and everything that you believe. You know, what are you going to do? And, and he said something I'll never forget. I've learned a long time ago to never burn a bridge because someday they may want to walk back across that bridge. Sometimes when we think of a warrior and their battles, we think of exterior battles that everybody kind of kind of see and you know they're they're winning, they're fighting, they're in the they're in they're in the in the battle. If you're taking notes, here's the central point. Sometimes, I'd say many times, the greatest battles that a warrior fights are their battles of healing fought on the inside. The battle for healing from hurts, from rejection. Uh, Hurts on the inside. That's where many of the battles take place. And every warrior that I know has interior wounds that they're in process and battle with. Brave warriors are unique, though. Brave warriors, here's some things that brave warriors do. They forgive. They forgive even when they've been hurt. Even when someone doesn't ask for forgiveness. They choose to forgive. That's a brave warrior. They also admit when they're wrong. I remember as a, as a teenager, my dad coming and apologizing to me and, and said, you know how I responded. It was not right. Please forgive me. Now, I remember as a teenager, I was like, he doesn't have to do that. But boy, my admiration just continued to grow. That's a brave warrior. Brave warriors love, love the unlovable, <laughs> love people that don't love them back. And brave warriors refuse to burn a bridge. My dad's best friend, who cheated on his fiance, actually married that girl. But when my dad was getting ready to marry my mom, he asked his still best friend to be one of his groomsmen. Why? Because he forgave him, because he loved him, and he didn't burn a bridge. And when I was born, I was, my middle name was given to me by the name of his best friend. I'm just giving you... When, when we get to heaven, I'll introduce you to my dad. He's pretty cool. That, that's a statement, though. That pastor that, for whatever reason, didn't stand up and defend his friend and defend truth. My dad still had a relationship with him, still referred to him as a close friend, still loved him. Because he chose to be a brave warrior. And my sibling, who rejected my dad and his faith and everything, is walking with Jesus these days. Brave warriors. Sometimes the greatest battles that a warrior fights are the battles of healing fought on the inside. And I'm just sensing that there's a lot of warriors out here that you know exactly what I'm talking about. No one knows the battles you are fighting, but God does. 
but God does. I'm going to tell you a sad story from Scripture and then a happy story, a good story, okay? We've got to, we've got to get ugly first before uh, a good story. So take your Bibles and turn, if you have them, to 2 Samuel 13. 2 Samuel 13. We were in 2 Samuel 11 last week. If you weren't here, this is a good one for all of us, men, women, teenagers. Because uh, David um, made the worst mistake of his life because he didn't have a temptation battle plan. We talked about that, having a temptation battle plan. And he gave in. Um, and his, his moment of weakness. Well, David is still, even though God forgave him, he repented, God forgave him, he still had consequences and, and they were bearing fruit and he had children from different mothers and that's complicated his family life uh, even more. And David's oldest son, you know, in that time, the, the, the oldest son would, would be in line to be the king, the king would die. His oldest son, Abnon, had uh, attraction to his, ha- his half-sister, Tamar, and um, he faked like he was sick and tricked her to come help him, so she was alone in his home, and he, his lust and lack of self-control ended up, he ended up raping his sister and then rejected her, kicked her out, and so she's, she's devastated, and, and she stumbles to her brother, real brother of both parents, mother and female, uh, father, uh, she, her brother Absalom's home. And that's where we pick up the story uh, in chapter 13, verse 20. Her brother Absalom said to her, has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? He knew the answer by her countenance. Be quiet for now, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house. Why? Because he was a warrior, someone to protect. But she was a desolate woman. When King David heard all this, he was furious. Tamar is crushed. In that culture, she would never marry because of what happened. It wasn't her fault. That was in that culture. And so she stayed with her brother. Stay with her brother. And David was furious, but did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Absalom, I'm not sure, was waiting. Okay, I'm going to protect my sister, but man, any day now, man, the hammer's going to drop on Abnon and get justice. And time went and went. Pretty soon, Abner realized nothing's going to happen. He's going to get away with it. And bitterness began to grow in his heart like a wildfire. Began to grow. Go, grow so deeply that two years later, he gathered some of his friends and they plotted a, a plan to invite Amnon to a party. And he went there and the whole purpose of that party was his, Absalom's friends ended up murdering his half-brother Amnon. Premeditated all birthed out of bitterness and anger. Look at chapter 13, verse 37, because Absalom takes off. Verse 37, Absalom, Absalom fled and went to uh, Tamei, a son of uh, Amuhud, the king of Gersher. But King David mourned many days for his son. He's mourning, grieving for Abner. Verse 38, after Absalom fled and went to Gersher, he stayed there three years. And King David longed to go to Absalom, for he was consoled concerning Amnon's death. I mean, after a period of mourning, 
Now he's thinking about Absalom. He left. He longed to go to Absalom, but never did. He knew he needed to confront him, but never did. He knew he needed to forgive him, reconcile with him, start a process of restoration. Never happened. Because the exterior warrior of David chose to take his warrior gear and put it aside. And put it aside and not do anything. His action was inaction. Because sometimes the greatest battles that are going on, that warriors fight, are battles of healing fought on the inside. The problem was David chose to not fight that battle. David chose to maybe, you know, in his head think, well, everything maybe will blow over. You know, time heals all wounds. That is not a true statement. So David's friend, Joab, took a risk. He took a risk to confront the king. And at that time, if you confront the king, you could die. Like, you're going to put your life on the line. You mess with the king, confront the king with truth, you could die. And so Job came up with a creative plan to, to confront David. And David knows what he's talking about and hears that it came from Joab. So we'll pick up in chapter 14, verse 21. The king said to Joab, very well, I will do it. Go, bring back the young man Absalom. Job fell with his face to the ground to pay him honor. And he blessed the king. Job said, today your servant knows that he has found favor in your eyes, my lord the king, because the king granted his servant's request. He doesn't say it here, but he's saying it, and you didn't kill me. I'm, I'm still alive. Verse 23. Then Job went to Gersher and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king said, he must go to his own house. He must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and did not see the face of the king. They're in the same city, walking distance from David's palace to Absalom's house, walking distance. And for two years, there is no contact, there is no communication, there is no expression of love, and forgiveness, there's nothing, silence. So David may have thought, I'm not communicating with them, but he was communicating very loudly by his inaction. And, uh, and Absalom's bitterness blossomed into hatred, pure hatred against his dad. And in the two years after he came home, he rallied people around him and wooed them and, and then started a military coup against his father with the purpose to kill his father and to take his throne. And, and, and two years, the coup happened, and, and David is leaving for his, running for his life to leave Jerusalem. He's in tears. He is mourning. He's embarrassed. He's humiliated. And in the battle, in that military coup, Absalom is killed. It's a sad story. It is heartbreaking. It, it, is, it is tragic to think that a father 
would make choices of inaction and take his warrior gear and put it off to the side. So take your Bibles now, turn to Matthew chapter 3, the first book in the New Testament. And you can breathe in and out because now we're going to have a good story. That was a hard enough story, but it's very, very realistic. But here's a good story. Jesus, as an example to others, did something he didn't need to do. He chose to be baptized. John the baptizer was, was going around talking about the kingdom of God and to get right for the kingdom of God. It's a hand. And in order to do that, it was baptism. And there was an, it was outward sh- uh, display of repentance. So Jesus did something he didn't need to do, but he did it as an example, really acknowledging the truth about John's message about the kingdom of God. He didn't need to repent because he was perfect. We pick up in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I I need to be baptized by you. And and do you come to me? Like, Jesus, we got to reverse this. You're coming to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is God the Father, this is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Now, let me just give you a little theological truth here. Jesus did not need to hear this. He, he wasn't mostly struggling, and he needed assurance from God the Father. Why? Why? Because Jesus is God, is God, and he doesn't need anything. I believe that God took this opportunity as a demonstration, as, as a chance to really model for us how important it is for a a, a father to a son, a father to a child, that communication. And I think it's a great model for us to really give warriors what they need to hear. So in a different way, here's three things that every warrior needs to hear. First of all, it is, I believe in you. I believe in you. I am proud of you. And I will always love you. I mean, God the Father chose to be heard audibly by the crowd and by Jesus these things. I believe in you. I am so proud of you. I will always love you. If you're a parent, your warrior son needs to hear this. No matter his age, no matter if he's still living with you, your warrior daughter needs to hear this. No matter their age, no matter if they're married, they're still your daughter, they're still your son. Grandparents, your warrior grandkids need to hear this. Because listen, I think you'd all agree, we live in such a negative, critical culture where everyone's just getting sliced and sliced down to the core. And warriors today need someone to tell them, don't assume they know, use words. Use words. If you're a teacher, if you're a coach, 
if you're a leader, if you're a business owner, if you care for your, your kids, your, your students, your athletes, your employees in some fashion, if you're a warrior, they need to hear this from you. If God has given you influence in someone else's life, say these words to them. Every warrior needs to hear this. You don't say it, well, I told you when you were seven, you know, and now you're 37, you're good. We need, why? Because warriors are in a battle. And this is oxygen to a warrior's soul. This is wind beneath a warrior's wing. This is fuel to fight the battles that people are fighting inside. Living in a cruel world of hurt, rejection, lies, gossip. Who is going to tell them? You should. If you love them and care for them, God has placed them in your life. But, but, but my relationship with my son or my daughter or grandkids, whatever, it's a broken relationship. Great place to start. Got to start somewhere. You take the first step. If you're a warrior, take that first step. Take that first step. Why? Because this communicates all sorts of things. It communicates care. It communicates love. It communicates acceptance. It communicates worth and value. Worth and value. And we're living in a culture that is so negative and critical and, and, and damning to people's souls because there is a real enemy that is lining up a storm and people are hearing false information and they need to hear truth from someone who loves them. That's what every warrior needs to hear. Now let me, let me, let me challenge warriors in this area. Here's five things that make a warrior impactful, meaning a, you make a difference. You, you, you really imprint the heart of someone that uh, is in your life. Here's five things to make an impactful warrior. First thing is, an impactful warrior, they love people. Not just the people that love them back. They love the unlovable. They love even when it hurts. They love even when it's difficult. <clears throat> they love even when the relationship is fractured. They keep loving. And there's a great quote from the New Testament from Jesus that is very famous. But let me, before I put it on the screen, let me tell you. Jesus is challenging people with a warrior challenge. Because if you're not a warrior, you will not, you cannot do what Jesus is commanding. It was radical then, it's radical today. Because Jesus said this. He says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. That, that was, what? In our culture, Jews, culture, first century, no, we, we are, we're to hate the Romans. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Come on. The opposite is way easier. I'm not going to love those who hate me. I'm going to hate them back. Back at you ten times. I, you, you're doing evil to me. I'm giving you evil back. You've cursed me. 
I'm going to curse you back. I'm not going to pray for you. Actually, I hope God punishes you. This is warrior talk. This is warrior challenge. You can't do this if you're not a warrior. Why? Because this is hard. And what I had no idea, especially as a little boy and as a teenager and even as a young man, I had no idea that God gave me a warrior to model for me how to do this when he was hurt. That was my dad. And in ministry, by the way, if you have no idea about ministry, ministry is warfare and it is ugly. Sheep bite the shepherds, small s. And I'm so thankful that I had a warrior dad who did the hard things when he was deeply hurt and wounded. So here's the challenge. Jesus, a little bit, a couple verses later, here's the why. <laughs> this is actually, I think it's funny. Jesus says, well, if you love those who love you, what credit is it for you? Insert golf clap. The Greek, whoopee. That's what it says in the Greek. You just got to find it. I don't know if it's there or not. It should be. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are just good to you, what credit is that to you? Insert golf clap. Be. Even sinners do that. One of the most difficult days ever, the darkest day as a youth pastor in all my years being a youth pastor was when I was here in the 90s. And I had a teenager who I will not name and I will not tell you what they did because what he did was unspeakable. I believe in this room only my wife and I know. So when I get the call that he had been arrested, and when I heard what he did, the last thing I wanted to do was go see him. And God... Only God impressed in my heart to drive an hour out to Shelton to talk to him. I didn't want to go. I was sick inside for what he did. I pulled in, got in, sat down at the booth, thick glass window, phone on the wall. And here he comes walking in, chained up. Pick up the phone, and I, and I was like, even, even up to that point, I'm like, what do I say, God? What do I say? What do I want to? Because I knew what I wanted to tell him. And that would, would not have been pretty or godly. And out of my mouth comes words God wanted me to say. And I told him, I said, I want you to know that I hate what you did. I hate it. I love you. Anyways, those were not my words. I meant them, but it was because I asked God to help me. I hate what you did, but I love you. A warrior is impactful. What do they do? They love. Second thing they do is they forgive. They forgive even when it's not asked of them. Warriors forgive those who hurt them. 
Forgive those who lied about them. Forgive those who falsely accused them. Forgive those who started rumors about them. Forgive, forgive those who have rejected them. Forgive those that want nothing to do with that warrior. An impactful warrior chooses to forgive anyways. Third thing uh, an impactful warrior does is this, is that they own their own failures. They own their own failures. Now imagine with me, just imagine, what if David, when he was longing to go see Absalom, picked up his warrior gear, put it on, and actually did what he really wanted to do to go see Absalom. What, imagine with, with me, if he looked in Absalom's eyes after he killed his oldest son and would say, Absalom, I hate what you did, but I love you. But I love you. What, imagine with me if David would then go to this, and Absalom, I forgive you. And then he went even farther. And Absalom, I want to ask for your forgiveness. Because I did nothing. And my inaction triggered you to do something horrible. I own that. Can you forgive me? Could you, if David would have done this, do you think the story would have changed? I think absolutely. Again, some of the hardest battles, the, the most vicious battles are not on the outside. They're the hurts on the inside. Another thing that impactful warriors do is that they empower others. They, they encourage others. They bring hope into others. They, they breathe courage into others. They empower others by saying, you know what, I believe in you. By saying, I am so proud of you. By saying, I will always love you. Now, please don't empower somebody with false truth. I mean, that's a weird phrase. Uh, false phrases like, I believe in you. You can do anything you want. No, they can't. I wanted to play in the NBA for the Warriors. I was too short, and I couldn't jump very high. So don't, don't say something dumb like this. Empower them. You believe in their character. You believe in their hard work. You believe in their diligence. You believe in their all, all things that you want to believe in, and you're proud of them, and you'll always love them. And the last thing that warriors do that is impactful is they fight for what really matters. They don't waste their ammunition and their energy on stupid, worthless battles that don't really matter, that don't really count, that are not on social media trying to convince everybody they're wrong and they're, uh, that this person's wrong and they're right because that is, that is a dog ch wagging his, you know, chasing his tail. Warriors don't mess around with that. They fight what really matters. They don't fight inside their home. They, they, they def defend who's, who's in their home. They don't fight any battle. They fight what matters. Why? Because God has given them someone to protect, a kingdom to advance, and a battle to win. That's what warriors do. That's what warriors do. And the greatest battles that warriors fight are not those seen on the outside. Sometimes, I think many times, the greatest battle a warrior fights is on the inside. So mama warriors, keep fighting. Keep fighting. Father warriors, pick up that gear and do what needs to be done, even if it's hard. Grandparent warriors, 
buckle that strap on and keep fighting. Just because you're out of your house doesn't mean you have no responsibility influence. Like, I did my time. They're all yours. That's not a warrior. Teenage warriors, you're in for a fight. But you're not alone. you got a church here that's with you. Be a warrior. I'm so thankful that my model forever, the ultimate model was Jesus. And then God gave me a human example and my dad. Who are you fighting for? Who are you blessing? Be a warrior. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Jesus being our warrior, fighting the ultimate battle against sin and death and defeated the cross, conquered the grave, setting up his forever kingdom, coming back soon to, to defeat evil and wickedness once and for all. Jesus, come quickly. Come now. My, my week is wide open. This week would be a good week. But Jesus, thank you for being our warrior. Thank you for placing in, in our lives examples to inspire us that we can model after. And Lord, I pray that you help people to not just go through a series and go, oh, that was good. But I pray that they would strap on the armor of God, they would strap on the warrior gear, and to be that warrior in your power, in your leading, in your strength, be that warrior for those who need them in their life. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.